0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast.
1: I'm Helen Farmer. On today's episode, we were meeting Leanne, who, after her own difficult fertility journey, is now on a mission to help other couples complete their families. And as we were broadcasting live from day one of the DP World Tour Championship, finding out what is happening over the next few days on and off the greens. We love introducing you to the experts and they can take all forms from our resident legal eagles to educators we're going to be speaking to and those in health and community. And following her own difficult journey to becoming a mum, registered nurse Leanne Jordan wanted to share her insights, her expertise, her compassion, helping other couples through IVF and beyond. She started an organisation called My Fertility Friend and joins us now. How are you, Leanne? Hi, Helen. How are you?
2: Thanks for having me on today.
1: I'm I'm really well, thank you. I'd love to hear a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, being so, so generous to share a little bit about what you went through as a couple and why you felt like this was something that you wanted to be helping others with.
2: Yes, of course. Um, so my husband and I, we had our own personal journey uh, of infertility whereby we had to go through nine cycles of IVF across a four-year span. You know, and, and during that time, I was working as a gynecology nurse in the field of infertility, quite ironically, <laughs> um, and there was, there was very limited support around at that time. You know, it was just, you know, we're talking about seven years ago, and I didn't know where to seek the support. And going through that journey, it's incredibly isolating at times. It's very overwhelming, and I think I would have benefited greatly from just a support system. So, you know, we were incredibly fortunate to have our two children as a result of um, IVF, which is great. But once our family was complete, I decided to set up a small business, you know, just providing some guidance, support, you know, mentorship, whatever these couples need, you know, when they're on their own infertility journey.
1: I think for, and I'm sure like everyone listening today, you know, have people close to me who've been through infertility and fertility treatment and it's interesting it's only when one person says oh we're doing this that actually that conversation starts to open up and you're saying that you know seven years ago it was even more stigmatized and it 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 shouldn't be but for for many reasons I think an awful lot of people do struggle to come up and open up about it and having someone on the inside someone as you're saying is like a mentor and a, a source of support must be incredibly valuable and obviously you've got that medical knowledge as well. Um, tell us a little bit about your mission with My Fertility Friend. Who are you looking to work with and support, Leanne?
2: Um, I guess it's couples that are, you know, possibly been trying to conceive for a little while and, and are wondering where they should begin, you know. Have they reached a point where they need to visit a fertility clinic? Many people are scared of taking that next step, So quite often they'll come to me and say, we've been trying to conceive now for six months, 12 months. You know, do we need to go down that road of visiting a fertility clinic? You know, do we need to um, just continue for a little while longer? And quite often they may not have done any investigations or any initial workup, So they really don't know what they're dealing with. Sometimes it's as simple as the timing has been off and they haven't, you know, there isn't really um, an infertility factor But I can guide them, you know, and and sit with them and say, okay, let's start looking at what we have done so far. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they'll often ask me for suggestions or recommendations of a clinic or possibly a doctor. Um, Yeah, there's lots of things that I can help with.
1: It must be hugely overwhelming for couples to start to go down that path because... You know, in some ways, we're very blessed that in Dubai we have got so many doctors and so many experts and, and and clinics here. But that is is quite intimidating in itself as you're saying kind of trying to match make the right couple with the right clinic to be able to interpret some of the data I know an awful lot of couples who've had to become experts almost overnight overnight on you know the <laughs> hormone levels and the next stage and you know what, what what happens next what about the emotional side though what about you know the this emotional support that couples might need during what can be an emotionally and let's be honest financially exhausting time too it is you know
2: you're right and quite often Couples will try to deal with the whole process themselves and close ranks, keep it between themselves, very rarely seek support outside of the marriage. And, and, and this is when it starts to become, you know, a lot more overwhelming. I will then sit with, you know, with the couples and we'll break it down into just much more manageable parts we look at the financial aspects of things and maybe come up with a financial plan or we'll talk about the physical aspects and what to expect whilst you're injecting yourself and you're taking these hormones coming up with a plan for work you know lots of these ladies are working Mm. full-time jobs and they're thinking about how will I manage to get to the clinic for all these scans and blood tests how will I inject myself what if I do it wrong how will I store these medicines it's incredibly overwhelming and you know I was medical this is what I did as a job. And I would often say to my husband, my gosh, if I was a non-medical person staring at this shelf full of medicines ahead of me and needles and different syringes and a protocol, you know, I would be, I'd be very fearful.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Can I so, ask from, from a, I, I guess, a kind of a selfish point of view, if you don't mind, Leanne, for people listening today who might know friends, family members, even colleagues, who are going through infertility or fertility treatment, would you mind offering some guidance on what to say, what to do, or indeed things to avoid? What would have been useful for you at that point? And can you offer up some insights there?
2: You know, there's, there's this um, talk of toxic positivity. You know, when people try to offer very positive advice, when, you know, my, my sister's friend's cousin tried X, Y, and Z, and that worked for them, you should try that, or you know maybe she should just relax and it'll happen you know it's not helpful at that time and even though couples know it's coming from a place of just wanting to help but it's often not received in that way you know mm. it's received, it's quite frustrating so just just offer an ear to listen you know maybe just invite them over for a cup of tea you don't need to bring up the subject if they want to talk about it they'll open up to you You know, don't feel um, disappointed if they break plans last minute or don't want to attend that baby shower. You know, they might have seen their fifth pregnancy announcement on social media this week and they're really feeling it. You know, they've been on this fertility journey for two years with lots of failures and they're just not in that right sort of mental space to, Mm -hmm. to deal with being at that baby shower this week.
1: Thank you for that. And thank you for your openness around what you've been through. It sounds like a hugely valuable service that you're offering Um, for anyone that wants to find out more. And this can be couples, but also companies. I know you're doing work around egg freezing and company policies and hopefully, um, you know, opening the eyes of of many organizations here to this kind of support that not just the women, but the, the men need if they're looking to start a family. What's the best way of reaching out to you, Leanne?
2: They um, can certainly search for me. Um, my name is Leanne Davis, underscore my fertility friend, and that's my Instagram handle, and I can be reached quite easily through there, and more often than not, we'll have a complimentary call, just a very informal chat over the phone, and, and just to see if I can help, because sometimes maybe I can't, um, and then we'll go from there, and we'll see what we can work with.
1: My fertility friend, Leon, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your time this afternoon um, and wishing you and, of course, everyone you're working with all the very best. From the Earth Course at Jameera Golf Estates. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live at the DP World
0: Tour Championship, the greatest players on Earth.
1: And joining us on site today is the man behind all, club manager, Stephen Hubner, is with us. So tell us, why are we here, sir, and what's happening over the next four days?
0: Well, first of all, lovely to be here with you, Helen, and thanks for having
1: well, me. Well, thank you for making time because I think you're probably one of the busiest men in Dubai right now, so I appreciate just a few minutes of your time. No. Tell tell us a little bit about what's happening today. It's day one of the DP World Tour Championship.
0: Yeah, and it's the it's the 15th edition of the DP World Tour Championship this week, so we're all very excited uh, at Jumeirah Golf States to be the host venue uh, 15 years in a row for such an amazing tournament. It's, it's very special. Um, we've got the best players from the DP World Tour coming to play the, the final event of the year. we guys name, like Name Rory, some
1: names.
0: Rory's here, Rory McIlroy, John Ram, Tommy Fleetwood and, and, and a lot more. So, yeah, we're very excited. It's going to be a great atmosphere here at the club over the next four days. It's a real highlight of the year for the colleagues, for the members and everyone involved in the club.
1: I've even seen a camel. I've seen two camels. I met yeah. like one this morning called Jamila. Jamila. She was very nice indeed. So surprises around every turn. Yes, you, I know. You've got Ladies' Day on Saturday. What's um what's on the schedule for them?
0: Yeah, so that's an exciting one for all the ladies of Dubai to come along and enjoy themselves. I think they get a couple of free drinks here, which is always which is always great. Good to stay hydrated. Um, I think there's some things like get your nails done and sparkle bars and different oh. things like that. So for the ladies, it's it's fantastic. And the thing is, we want to get more and more ladies into the game of golf. So
1: it's, uh, okay, it's part of right. that. Convince me, OK, because I learnt a little bit how to play golf pre-kids and I'm going to be completely transparent. Do you know what really put me off?
0: The but clothing, the or
1: footwear. The footwear.
0: Yeah. That's I've, a good guess.
1: Yeah. It was, it was, I've got, you know, size 40, 41 feet and it was not a good look. So I need to come and have a little shop to see if things have improved in the last decade. It certainly has.
0: Good. It certainly has. <laughs> the clothing for ladies nowadays is very trendy and cool and comfortable. So Half you'll the love battle. It.
1: What about the kids though? Because family day on Sunday, I mean, already today and all the way through, there's kids' activities, but on Sunday, there's going to be, you know, potting plants and, you know, camels and bouncy castles and face painting, but what about getting kids into golf? What's happening here at Jamira Golf Estates and indeed over the next few days to encourage that next generation of sporting stars?
0: Yeah, I think I think all over Dubai we're doing a great job of um, encouraging children to play the game. Here at Jumeirah Golf Estates we're lucky enough to have the DP World Golf Performance Centre and part of that is the Tommy Fleetwood Academy. We've got a really wonderful group of professionals working with, with the children. We go out into schools, DP World have helped us with a, a shipping container that's turned into a swing studio. So that spends that's a week awesome. at a time at a different school. So it was at Dubai Heights Academy, and it's a couple of the gem schools at the moment, and it moves around. Uh, and we were able to put um, a thousand kids through the game of golf in a week at a school. Which that's is amazing, amazing. I think
1: I think unless your family is a golfing family, the thought of getting into the sport can be a bit other. You know, it's like something that something that other people do, or it's seen as being quite elite or expensive and I think that accessibility piece is so so important a big part of it is getting families to come you know to a weekend such as this and seeing some of the greats on the greens but also you know having it having a go yourself
0: that's right yeah I mean it's tomorrow's community day even today, there was lots of schools here. The DP World Tour do an amazing job at reaching out to the community. There's lots of children coming along and getting behind the scenes tours. They're getting golf lessons. Um, so I think I think tournaments like this is a great way to showcase the game mm. to two children and two families and then hopefully to, to get them into the game and, and to grow it because golf's got so many health and well-being, you know, things that are are good for you, good for children, and I think later on in life it helps them with business and jobs Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of thing.
1: And the weather's perfect. Long may it continue.
0: Ah, We'll see. So
1: (laughs) can you give us just a glimpse about what's been happening behind the scenes here at Tremorough Golf Estates to get ready for the DP World Tour Championship because it doesn't look like this is just thrown up overnight. It is. The village is enormous. We're expecting about, well, I think about 80,000 people have registered for this weekend. I've seen messages on Facebook going, my dad's in town. I didn't get a ticket. Is there any chance? Excitement levels are really high. But what's been happening behind the scenes, Stephen?
0: Yes, there's a lot. I mean, I would say that that obviously, from as soon as the tournament finishes, we start planning for the following year. But in terms of the actual build, it starts about eight or nine weeks before the tournament. So that's when all of the chalets and things like that start getting built. It's, it's, it grows every year in size. So there's so much to do, whether it's arranging all of the food and beverage elements that are all around the course and hospitality. Did you? Yeah, had a great lunch. Okay, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um,
1: that was my biggest challenge of the day. It's like, <laughs> which food truck should I visit?
0: Yeah, no, so Gabriel, our F&B manager, is doing an awful lot of work in the last few months getting ready for the event. On the golf course side, Stuart Horwood is our golf course superintendent. This guy is like a a scientist. I mean, he's amazing. And what him and Ollie, his, his assistant, does on the golf course and all of the team is amazing. You wouldn't believe what goes into their detailed preparation of the grass playing surfaces
1: and making it look effortless for us to come as visitors are you going to get time over the next few days to actually watch some golf steven um not much <laughs> but I,
0: every year i say to myself if i can get one hour each day to go and smell the roses a little bit and maybe at the weekend my uh... Family might come up and I might take my son or my daughter out onto the course and watch it for an hour or get them to enjoy some of the activations. My mum and dad are in town this week and hopefully I can catch up with them a little bit. Oh, I hope bit you as well. got them a ticket. I squeezed them a ticket. <laughs> well yeah. done,
1: Stephen havener Thank you so much for your time today. As I said, I know how busy things are, the incredible amount of prep and hard work going on behind the scenes, but so so worth it. The event is running through until Sunday. Thank you so much.
0: No worries, Helen. Thanks for having me. It is
1: a pleasure to be broadcasting live from the DP World Tour Championship. We are going to be keeping up to date zane scotland joining us in about half an hour's time tell us what has been happening on the greens and up next we're going to be talking about inclusion in the sport We're talking inclusion in the world of sport, of course, golf in particular, as we broadcast live from the DP World Tour Championships. The 15th edition, we're at the Jamira Golf Estates through until five o'clock now and joined by Tony Bennett. He is the head of the European Disabled Golf Association and there's the Golf Disabled Tournament taking right here over the weekend. Tony, lovely to have you with us. Really appreciate your time. I know how busy it is right now. Tell us a little bit about your role there at the European Disabled Golf Association. What is the mission of that organisation?
3: Well, thanks, Helen, for the opportunity to be here. And I guess that um, disabled golf is something that people didn't know much about. And and they called it disabled golf. And In other parts of the world, they call it all abilities golf or adaptive golf. I know in this part of the world, they call it people with determination. Uh, We talk about G4D, so golf for the disabled. So we think about the golfer first. We think about the person first. So this is something that we needed to try and get over when we first started this. And so Egg has been around since 2000. I wasn't involved in 2000. I got involved in 2013, at the back end of 2013. But there was kind of this great um, kind of confusion. So, you know, you say all abilities golf, and they say, well, what's that in relation to um, adaptive Mm golf or a golfer with disability? So I think that was one thing that we, we managed to do straight away. So we managed to get that kind of terminology right. That was a good start. And um, then after that, then we started to help people to understand that they are golfers. That's all they are. They're just golfers and they play like everybody else. And, you know, maybe some of them play in a wheelchair. So they are seated when they play. Some have got a guide to, to point them in the right direction if they're blind, because, you know, blind golfers on a golf course without a guide is pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly we wanted to make sure that, you know, people understood that we think about golfers first. That was the kind of the strap line that we started with. And, and, and that's that's sort of where it's grown from since then. It's
1: really lovely to think about how it's been embraced by the Dubai golfing community as well. And, you know, coming to fruition, as I said, with the tournament this weekend. Tell us a little bit about the player requirement, if you don't mind, you know, some of the, the qualifications of of the people taking part?
3: Well I think the first thing is is we start off with somebody who's disabled according to their country. Mm. So what somebody who's disabled in one country might not be disabled in another. That's interesting. And that's kind of that's kind of unusual for a start. So who are we to say that somebody's disabled or they're not? That's the government's job to do. So you would have somebody for example in, in a country where they don't recognise PTSD <laughs> Hello
1: <laughs> That wasn't a hint by the way. <laughs>
3: so they'll they'll um, a government may well not recognise PTSD, another government may well do so. So the first thing is to figure out, number one, are they disabled in that country? Mm -hmm. Then from there, we give them a pass. And that pass then allows them to be able to play at some level of the the tournaments. You'll have heard of the Paralympics, of course, everybody has, uh, but the Paralympics have a very high level of requirement to be a Paralympian. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a a kind of an an all-encompassing sport that allows people to play. Um, regardless of their disability and then we've got some restrictions put on by organizations such as the Paralympics so we have to figure out that and so we have three different passes and without getting all technical and getting into all, all to the weeds on that we have a medical team that de- determines which pass a player should be able to get so for example somebody with an amputated uh, amputated leg then they will get a WR 4 GD pass again without getting all into the words <laughs> World Ranking for Golfers with Disability Pass, and that will allow them then to play in these kind of events so they can qualify. The players that have come here, they are the top of the World Ranking well, for that's Golfers what with Disability. I wanted
1: to ask you. Are there any standout stars, any names oh, that
3: we should know? Well, all eight of these are really good players. I mean, for, first thing, we've had four of the players this week that have won tournaments this year. So that's, a, that's, that's great. So four, 50% of the field have won tournaments this year. The other four are the top four ranked players that have not won tournaments this year. Oh. So, yeah, it's a really good field. Yeah, of course, you've got favourites, you've got people that you think you might win. But honestly, any of the eight players could win. And I think last year when we were here, we had Rasmus Lee who won, who I think, if I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong on this, but I think I'm right. He qualified eighth last year to play in the event and he won it. Why so? So clearly every one of those players has got an opportunity. They need two good days. They've got to go play well and uh, they've got to go and do the business and, and bring it up 18.
1: Tony, can I ask you about the importance of representation? You know, we've got the Heroes for Hope guys here today. We've got, you know, children of determination. How important is it to see these, these stars out playing? I'm a firm believer that you can't be it until you see it.
3: 100%, and that's exactly the, that, that's exactly the terminology that we use. You, I, I think we have to think that, you know, people with disability, they're just part of the community. And so we don't see it very often, but it, it's the truth. So the United Nations said that, ten, I think I'm right in saying 10.48% of the UAE population is disabled. Now, you then say, is 10% of the golfers in the UAE disabled? And the chances is extremely good they're not. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in Portugal, we've got 17.6% of the, the population that's disabled. You cannot go to a golf club where there's more than maybe 3 or 4% of the, of the golfers that are disabled. So there's a long way for us to go. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, we can make that change. So, yes, you're right, is that you've got players with physical disabilities, intellectual disabilities, neurodevelopmental disabilities, vision impairment, hearing impairment, and clearly neurological impairments as well. So all of these people have got justifiable reason to want to go and play the game. And if they can see the players playing here this week, that's got to be a great stimulus for them.
1: So for people who are coming down to Jameera Golf Estates, where can we catch some of these stars and rising stars in action?
3: Well, you're going to have to be early because we're going out (laughs) at 7.15 tomorrow morning, Um, but you can always catch them at the end. But by the way, our players play pretty quick, so don't think they're going to be playing at the same speed as the tour players. They're Mm -hmm. not five-hour rounders. Our guys will be playing in around three and a half hours. So, yeah, anywhere between 7.15 and let's say 10.40, 10.45, 10.50... Somewhere on that, as you'll be able to catch them coming up, 18. Thank you so much, Tony, for your time. You're really, welcome. really
1: interesting to hear what's been happening behind the scenes and, of course, what's happening on the greens as well with a really important part of that golfing community. Tony Bennett speaking to us. He's behind the Golf for Disabled tournament happening here in Dubai and in Europe, head of the European Disabled as- Golf Association. <laughs>